Human beings are searching for the personal experience of reality. reality. They are seeking to come to understand themselves, to find a reason for their own existence. And so you go round and round and round, ever chasing the illusion that there is something outside yourself, outside your here and now, to be attained that will make things better. No guru, no method, no teacher, and no nothing else either. All right, welcome everybody. We have Rachel Arazo with us here today. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I hope everyone is too. Oh, wow, that's very nice of you. I hope they are too. <laughs> um, the first question I like to throw out right off the gate is, what are you grateful for today? Oh, today, what am I grateful for? Um, today, you know, I am grateful for bread. Um, and okay. then that's a little weird. Um, well, recently I started paying attention more to what I eat and what we're ingesting in our house. And one of my favorite things to do is bake homemade bread. Um, so I am grateful for the very warm, arom aromatic <laughs> bread that's sitting in my kitchen right now because it makes it smell wonderful in here. <laughs> and I've never had that one before. So that's a first. Bread's good. I feel like it's a, a staple of life. Uh. <laughs> yeah, because you know, I, I feel like, because uh, I'm very much one of those that likes to make things from home. So it's almost meditative to go in there and just, you know, punch the heck out of some dough and then you get a beautiful loaf of bread when you're all done with it. So, okay. Yeah. I, I have a culinary arts degree, so I really enjoy cooking as well. I find it very therapeutic. Oh, yeah. Um, what quotes do you feel most moved by? And can you explain what they mean to you? Absolutely, yeah. Um, one of my favorite that I like talking about is by Anton Chekhov, because I have a degree in theater. Um, and we had to do a bunch of plays. But uh, one of my favorites by him is, don't tell me the moon is shining, show me the glint of light on broken glass. Hmm. And it's all about show, don't tell me, just actually show me. And I find that so important because authenticity is fantastic. Um, if you aren't comfortable being authentic and saying and showing straight up what you are, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter what your words are. And then also, um, you know, just finding peace in the tiny little moments like that finding beauty and things like that in different ways that you don't normally think of, like showing the moon shining on broken glass. It's those moments that pop into our brain. So mm. that's a favorite for me. That's um, really pretty. I like the whole concept behind it too. Exactly. And it's so descriptive and visual and you're in immediately in your head, you can come up with a billion stories on what that could mean, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the other one that I always like, because I'm really huge on um, customer service and on taking care of other people, um, but we, and usually people like to talk about the golden rule and how, you know, do unto others as you would want to do to you. I'm more of do to others as they want to be treated, like treat others how they want to be treated, um, because I feel like that matters more, you know, just because I might like chocolate 
And because I like chocolate, that means I want to share with someone else assuming that they like chocolate. That doesn't mean they do. They want to be treated how they want to be treated. So mm. you don't push things on other people just because you enjoy them. Or you don't assume other people understand just because you do. Treat them how they want to be treated. You know? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. It makes me think of like some of the best marketing advice I ever got. And it was from Joe Dirt, the movie Joe Dirt. <laughs> where uh, the guy selling fireworks tells no he tells the guy selling fireworks it's not what you like it's the consumer uh-huh it's very <laughs> true and it's like if, if you can think about what someone else likes and what their problem is then you're going to be better at customer service you're going to be better at helping people in general and healing the world more than you will be at anything else if you think about how they want things to go that makes sense. That's actually something that's been coming up in my life a lot lately. And this is going to sound really dumb when I say it. Um, but like I was looking at ways to improve social media and stuff like that. And one of the biggest tips was like, be social with other people on it. And in my mind, I'm like, wow, that's fucking amazing. Like, there was like this like light bulb went off. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it has like social in the name. Of it. Why is this like a profound thing to me? Um, it was just yeah. really funny to me, but it is. It's the same kind of concept, I think. It is. It, it, usually, if you think about it this way, um, people go on social media and they not buy anything. They're not expecting to be sold anything. Um, they go on there to make relationships. So if you make it your business to make relationships, then that is so much more authentic and so much more straightforward than, hey, buy the thing from me, car salesman, you know? Yeah, that's the thing too. Like, I, I don't even try to sell stuff that like that directly either. So it's just like, look at this stuff and have like no connection to any of it. But maybe give me some money if you kind of want to when it's convenient for you. And it's just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I definitely need work in that area. It's funny too because the whole um, this this uh, is relative to more of a personal thing as well. But like building relationships like friendships and all this stuff is something that's coming up in my life so it was just funny to see like the totality of that and that quote still fits with that as well in order to be more relatable to people i have to focus more on them mm -hmm. it's just yeah. interesting if you want to uh have a successful marriage or you want to have a great friendship or anything treat your friends and your family how they want to be treated because they're their own entities and i'm i'm learning that um a lot with my toddler because I have a very sen very sensitive we're gonna get into like this question in a little bit but like I have a very uh, sensitive toddler where every five seconds she's crying and how I want to be treated is I want to sit here by myself but how she wants to be treated is hugs every five minutes so sometimes <laughs> need to treat her how she wants to be treated and be okay mommy's just a, a hug giver today <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Um, this is, since you were talking about children, this is kind of an interesting question. Did you feel that you were different than others as a kid? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up, um, well, it happened in a couple ways. So first off, um, I grew up in a pretty middle class family, but the difference was I am the whitest person in my family um, <laughs> because uh, my mother is African-American. My father is almost albino. He's like the wall is the color of his skin. Um, and I grew up with my mother's side of the family. So anytime 
I would go to daycare at two years old and be like, my mommy dyed her hair pink. Everyone's thinking of this very dark woman that laughs incredibly loud. And they're thinking, why would she have uh, pink hair? And she'd walk in the door with cotton candy pink hair and just completely be a contrast. Or um, so th there would be times where I would grow up and be like, mommy, why am I so mixed up? Um, Cause I'd be, I would look different than anyone else in my family. And then on top of that, you know, um, like my daughter, I was very sensitive as a child. I cried every five seconds because, you know, just emotional overload, trying to develop all of the energy in my body. It made it really hard. So um, it's always weird when you're that person in the class that's scrying in the carpet. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or you know, making shapes out of the bubbles in the bathtub, stuff like that. And then probably the last way that I knew I was different and everybody else was like, what in the world? Because um, I grew up a Jehovah's Witness and uh, that's no birthdays, that's no holidays, that's no standing for the national anthem, none of that kind of stuff. So then now when I, you know, when I got to college and beyond and I say, yeah, I've never watched Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I've never uh, had a birthday party or any of that. Everybody's like, what? I don't oh, understand. Wow. How could you not do that? So that was pretty blatant growing up for sure. Have, have you since seen Scooby-Doo and had a birthday party? <laughs> yes, I have. Um, I, I've had both and Scooby-Doo's okay. I, I like Scooby-Doo on Monster, not Monster Island, Zombie Island and Red Velvet Cake is the bee's knees. So. <laughs> I just had to make sure you had like central, like human experiences in this. In this right? Yeah. And, and that's a part of growing up. Come back from Christmas break. What'd you get from Santa? Well, we didn't celebrate Christmas. So Santa I, Claus is alive. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can definitely see how that like would uh, be impactful. I really like how you said scrying in the carpet too. <laughs> yeah, because that really, if you want to stay awake during one of those meetings, because you meet four days a week for being a Jehovah's Witness, you go to their kingdom hall and stuff. If you want to stay awake during that meeting, you make pictures out of the carpet. Like, mm. oh, I see a face. I see a butterfly, you know, and not knowing what it meant at six years old, but that's what I'm doing. Mm. <laughs> and I'll still do that with like the bumpy walls or you know the popcorn ceilings and stuff i'll still do that yeah pareidolia is where you like see the shapes and stuff mm -hmm. is like the scientific term for it I, I do that too exactly yeah i was always a weird kid i'm still a weird kid i'm just a lot older now <laughs> yeah, we don't ever really you know grow up we're all still trying to figure it out yeah it's one of those things where i thought like growing up was like this static point i thought a lot of dumb shit when i was a kid like i thought growing up would be this static point where there's like a level of maturity and it's like on any given day i'm more capable of acting more mm -hmm. mature but i'm also liable to like i, I was gargling with pickle juice yesterday because i had a sore throat <laughs> and then i'm like singing songs while i'm gargling and changing the pictures of my gargle and i'm just like rrr, 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 but it's like I'm just so damn weird and playful. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> weird tangent. Um, this is kind of a fun question. If you could have a superpower, um, or if you have one, I'm sure you have some, what would you want and what do you have? Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, 
because usually what first comes to mind is you know like uh like flying and you know uh like not like magneto like uh professor x you know just like telekinesis with everything i, I would think more um i'd like to be along the lines of deadpool with the regeneration factor you know i don't want to chop off my hand and have baby hand for freaking ever but um <laughs> just natural healing regeneration i feel like would really help um i know that it would be it would probably have a severe downside like i can't die guys because regeneration but um i always thought that would be kind of fun or i always like to talk about how i wish everybody could teleport because i would save so much on gas just <laughs> i need to go to the grocery store ah here i am um and to make it so much easier so it'd be a cross between teleportation and healing healing regeneration and teleportation is a good one <laughs> yeah it is because think of how much time you would save like i want to go to barbados boom here i am it, it's almost like jumper with aiden christensen how he just sees it and he can go you know? that was a cool movie it was i know so many people talk on that movie it's perfect for <laughs> teleportation and that concept you know but um and then ones that i have already i know that um i'm clairvoyant and clairaudience so i do get the sixth sense information um but i know i am pretty damn good at energy manipulation i know i'm pretty fantastic at that and that comes from years of um, like I said, I have a degree in theater, so improv exercises pass the energy ball around uh, in order to teach everyone to be on top of their lines. It's literally energy ball or uh, um, manipulate the emotion in your body, change how your body behaves so that you feel the emotion and it's a healthier way to have that in a scene rather than method acting. So years of practice with that prepared me for some fantastic uh, chakra energy manipulation hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of my superpower i guess very cool you brought up method acting this is just a weird thought that came into my mind is part of method acting like almost traumatizing yourself to bring up the emotions of of those circumstances yeah basically there's two types of well there's more than two types but the most popular ones are one is method acting where let's say uh your puppy got crushed by a car when you were a kid and it's super tragic and it messed you up in all kinds of ways um if you have a scene that you need to do that's very similar you would then tap into cry like i did when when sparky died that kind of thing you would draw from an actual memory and it would mess you up. Or you would be like um, Christian Bale or Heath Ledger, where you would live as that character and you would only want to be called that person's name to get into the mind of the character, which can be very dangerous for psychotic characters. And that's how we get people that commit suicide afterward or drug overdose. Um, because it's like um, allowing yourself to be possessed by a written character because mm -hmm. you're trying to be them so much you lose you um or you lose so much weight and then bounce back immediately because you're in a role that requires you to be super anorexic or something like that whereas the safer kind of af acting is you it's almost like clown work you focus on 
like if I clench my hands for long enough, I'm going to start feeling pissed off. Or if I notice my breathing pattern, I'll either start crying or I'll start laughing, you know? Um, that is a safer kind of way because you are just making your body move in a certain way. You're not tapping into a memory or forcing hmm. yourself to be something you're not. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, absolutely. That's incredibly interesting because one of the things that I had to do um, in regards to some of my emotional healing and stuff over the past couple of years is I read somewhere that people that sleep on their backs have less anxiety. So I conditioned myself to learn to sleep on my back to reduce anxiety, but it created a lot. So it's amazing how if you position your body in certain ways, it actually triggers your mind to respond uh, how it's supposed to, I guess, in those circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it is because if you think about, uh, if you just have a face and all you do is tweak one aspect of it like if your face is neutral and you tweak your lips into a downward motion you cause a frown and that person will be sad hmm. or if you take a neutral face and you furrow the brows that person is going to be a little bit angry or they're going to be a little bit confused um if we change those aspects then it causes not only your brain to react a certain way but then you everyone else recognizes it it's like oh they're feeling that way or they're mm. feeling that way. And it helps you identify how your body is. They kind of did this, like, for example, in Lie to Me, the TV show, where they paid attention to how a person's body moved to see if they were lying or to see the emotion they're feeling because they can look at them and tell. Um, palm reading does this, where you can look at the shape of a person's hand and you can tell their personality and what they're going through. Um, but if you can move your body in a certain way, make yourself sit up or make yourself curl up in a ball, stuff like that, you're going to start getting a psychological reaction about it. Hmm. That's very interesting. It's almost even like just with mindful breathing, like mm -hmm. when you consciously focus on um, breathing, like slowly and all that stuff, it calms you down. I mean, partly because you're getting high on oxygen, like they say in Fight Club, but also because you can't be in a, a scary, stressful situation if you're able to be breathing slow. Exactly. And it's also that idea of, um, what is it? There's one of my favorite interviews about meditation. Uh, this monk was talking about the monkey brain. Mm. If you force your brain to focus on something for a few seconds, like your breath, um, and how your breathing pattern moves, then all the other thoughts fade out in the background and you just start feeling and you pay more attention to it. That's how come uh, a lot of my work, I'm like, what is your body saying when you're feeling that? Where do you feel the tension or where do you feel the tingles? It makes, it matters. <laughs> it makes sense for what you're doing. Let's track that. So then if you want to tap into it later, you can make yourself do those things. Mm -hmm. You can just set your body off. Mm. That's a really good point. Um, I wonder if, is it, is it like the interview you're talking about with the monk? Is it like that two minute one where it's like the, the boot? That's a, such a great interview. I love, I love all the it. stuff he says. <laughs> it makes it so, it makes me so happy every time I see it. Cause he's just like, da, 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 da. the monkey brain is like, it makes sense. Cause your brain's just going to run in the background until you give it a toy to play with. It's like a toddler. Just mm -hmm. <laughs> play with this for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think that that's a really, um, important interview as well because it's somebody who obviously understands the concept of it and it's not coming from this uh 
Protestant work ethic perception that's prevalent in the Western culture, regardless of religion, about how it should be and how it's this strict, like boring discipline and you can't have any fun with it. He's like, yeah, you can do it wherever, whenever, as long as you want. Not nothing like big, not that big of a deal. Just do it. Yeah, it, it it's funny actually. I read um I read a book recently that really was the personification of like what happens if you calm yourself, how you're able to survive some of the hardest things. Uh, have you read The Fireman by Joe Hill? Mm -mm. Okay. Yeah, Joe Hill is Stephen King's son, so he likes to write some of the horror like Stephen King does. And The Fireman is all about this virus that spreads through ash. You breathe it in, it gets into your lungs. And it, when it lives in your body, you're the host. And if it feels like the host is not inhabitable, like if you're stressed, if you're panicking, um, it burns you from the inside out. And all these people are lighting up like powder kegs because they're terrified of what's happening. And they get this like tattoo across their bodies. But those that meditate or sing and are happy and high vibe they live and they just glow mm. um and there was an instance in the book where they were talking about how this monk like this buddhist monk went up onto the steps of parliament and he got shot down but he was trying to explain to them if you just meditate if you just be then you will be okay because he was tuned in tapped and turned on he, he was high flying and he was glowing but they were afraid he was going to blow up so they killed him Mm. But if you peace your if you're uh at peace with yourself if you meditate or you give a toy to your brain to work with you take the panic out of it and then anything that's in you whether it's the things that you've dealt with or if you're a host to something then it all just just calm and you glow does that make mm. sense no absolutely that's like my whole past experience the past couple of years is learning how not to explode i mean more figuratively obviously than literally yeah, than not bursting literally into flames yeah it probably wouldn't be a good look on me <laughs> it's, it's a very good book and there's there it's like in the main character it's the worst stress situation you can think of because she's pregnant and she's like how am i gonna live with this and go through childbirth and not set on fire you know what i mean so it's like it, it's very good but the whole time i'm like seeing this from a spiritual standpoint i'm like this is so this is so figurative oh my god mm. yeah that's, that sounds really cool stephen king's one of my favorite authors um has been since i was a kid so i'm gonna have to check out his son's stuff yeah yeah very cool um what circumstances do you feel shaped your life I'm a little, um, I like to pride myself in being eclectic mm -hmm. and I feel like that, I, I feel like that shaped me for a few reasons. So like I've talked about how I grew up a Jehovah's Witness, but then the complete opposite, I have my mother with pink hair. Um, that is, you know, complete opposite of anything that they would allow. Um, so, and she was the kind of person that was very much, um, well, we don't know nothing about Indian food, but let's go have some. <laughs> or I don't know anything about Pakistan, but let's go say hi to our neighbors downstairs. Um, that kind of thing. I, I have memories of, even if we have zero money, going to go visit all the museums downtown, like the Penny Museum. Not Yeah, the Money Museum and uh, the Pioneer Museum and arts and all kinds of stuff. Go experience in order and discover about the world, even if you don't have a lot. So we 
go take advantage of that. Because here in Colorado, you know, we have Garden of the Gods. We go to the powwows out there, and I have distinct memories of being in braids and out there dancing with everybody with the drums. Um, and that really shaped me into really one of the least judgmental people you could probably talk to. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter uh, what your psychosis is or what you've done in your life. I probably won't judge you for it. Um, and it's, I consider it kind of, I consider it a really good thing because the more someone knows and the more well-rounded they are, I feel like the better that they can experience things. You know, it's more of an interesting conversation if they come from absorbing all these different uh, information sources. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, as somebody who's traveled a lot, um, who's lived in various different social circles, Mm-hmm. who's had a very um, well-rounded life experience from a very early age. I, I definitely resonate more with people that have a lot more to talk about than um, there's a quote by Muhammad Ali that comes to mind. And he says, if a man thinks the same thing at 50 that he did at 30, he wasted 20 years of his life. Mm-hmm. And so many people hold on to this ideology and never kind of get this expansive worldview um, because they don't get to do a lot of the stuff that you said and they don't get to actually become cultured people, which is part of the reason we have so many problems. But yeah, I could definitely see how all those different, I mean, there's small things individually, but holistically that they create a a big um, shift in how your life is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and not all the time, I think, is the thing that people get tripped up about. Not all the time is the information you learn going to be useful immediately. You know, like, uh, I was a part of a accelerated program in school starting in, like, what was it, like, uh, eighth grade, where we learned college-level courses with a laptop, we learned Chinese, and then we went to Japan. And then for my senior year, we went to China. And at the time, I'm like, why do I need to learn Chinese <laughs> when we're going to Japan? Or um, why do I need to learn tea leaf reading ceremonies and do feng shui and stuff? Um, but now, years later, I'm like, oh, that's the thing that I learned in the Forbidden City. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Or, um, oh, that, uh, that crystal over there, I remember that being there, that shape of that bridge. It reminds me of you know Monet and how it relates to this and you know it's not all the time yes we have these experiences but if we just learn to follow our intuition and just take the opportunity and then we go learn later on we can use that information and then you get the light bulb moments and you feel amazing because you're like oh my god everything's clicking into place you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah I've definitely experienced that as well there's lots of things in my life that don't seem like they would rationally fit together, but I've learned lessons from all sorts of unrelated things. It's, it's really fascinating. I feel like when you can enter into that space of um, intuition and presence in life. Um, what positive lessons did you learn from negative experiences? I think, um, well, just off the bat is at least you tried it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at least you did it. Um, and let's see what happens because, you know, um, it, it, this for some reason reminds me of how um, difficult sometimes it is for people to talk to 
each other face to face because we're used to having that wall there of having a phone or having a screen or something. Because um, for the longest time, it was such an, a supreme negative experience for me to look somebody in the eye. It's so hard. And even now, sometimes I consciously tell myself, look them in the eye because we don't do that anymore. Um, because if I did, then there was the fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. but then on the other side, at least I tried. At least I looked them in the eye and they can tell that I care, you know? Um, and then also on the other hand, it's also like every failure that you have, it's a lesson from what didn't work. Mm. You know, take a look at it and be like, okay, I failed. What didn't work about this? <laughs> you know, this relationship failed. Why didn't it work? You know, it takes two people to make the relationship. What didn't work on both sides? And that helps further develop the person you want to be with and the person you need to be in order to be in a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. or, um, why didn't this job work? Well, what do I need to be at work in order for it to succeed? And what kind of job do I need to make me happy? You know, um, I just kind of see negative experiences as lessons, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. A couple of things in that uh, your response came up to me. I really had to train myself to look at people in the eyes uh, more as well because I had such low self-esteem at points in my life. But then it gets to the point sometimes where I'm almost like a fucking sociopath because I won't stop <laughs> staring people in the face and I feel like it's doing the exact opposite of what I'm intending to do. Um, and then the uh, whole thing about like the failure element of things, there's this great uh, speech that Denzel Washington gave. I, I want to say it was at a, a commencement thing and he's like, pretty much accept the fact that you're going to fail at some stuff. You're going to suck at some things, but you still have to do it no matter what, because his, his quote that hit home for me is if you don't fail, you're not even trying. And I'm like, damn, because so much of my life um, previously, I wouldn't try anything because I didn't want to fail. But then I also limited myself from all the beauty of like new experiences and new opportunities and actually learning lessons because none of, none of the stuff that I've learned really nothing I could think of, nothing that comes to mind that I learned from not fucking up or not like doing a mistake. Like all the things that are meaningful in my life pretty much came from screwing stuff up. Yeah. Like e even with like learning how to cook in like a kitchen, if I was given a menu and people told me to memorize how to make stuff, I wouldn't remember. But if I got my ass kicked on the line that night and I screwed up somebody's dish and they sent it back and the chef was yelling at me because I put tomatoes in it and it was supposed to be red peppers or something like that i didn't make the same mistake again i might have made a new mistake but if you make new mistakes you're growing exactly <laughs> yeah I, I totally get that it's um that brings to mind when i would consistently be in shows because i was a part of my majors we had to consistently uh audition to every single show even if we couldn't get in it so even as a freshman if we weren't eligible we had to be auditioning and so many people would get upset they'd be like oh I really wanted this part and they'd be nasty to each other or they would just go into this stupor and just get upset at themselves for not being good enough and I'm just like I'm happy to be ensemble member 581 because um, <laughs> at least I tried and when I go on that stage it's gonna be just as good as the person in the front you know it's something um 
at least I tried. And whether I succeeded or not, I never picked a particular role I wanted. I never picked a particular show I wanted. It was just like, I, I just want to try and see what happens because it's a growing experience. Maybe I learn um, to take more of a beat so I can breathe. Maybe I learn how to hold my body differently. Maybe I learn uh, to not pick a monologue that I'm not particularly happy with, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stuff like that. So it's like, no matter what you do, as long as you try and you go do it, then it's a learning experience. Then afterwards you can go have some, some fantastic cake and take it out of your mind until the next day when the call board goes up. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Attitude is everything in life. If you have the attitude of I'm going to go in and put myself out there and you have this uh, mindset of no matter what occurs, I can use this to my advantage. You're positioned so much further ahead of everybody, even if the person gets the job. This is something that like I've really thought about in regards to um, podcasting or any of the work that I've done. Like, a lot of my stuff hasn't been as successful as I would like it to be initially. But then I think about how if people do this and they're somehow met with instant success miraculously, when things actually get tough for them, what faith or foundation are they going to have to like make it through that in a more beneficial way? And in lots of ways, like things kind of starting off rocky for me has been incredibly great because I still do this even though it's nowhere near where I want to be and I'm doing it because I enjoy it. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, it is. Um, this is kind of a fun question. What songs or bands have lyrics that most resonate with you at this moment? <laughs> uh, in this moment aha, is one that I really enjoy. Um, like I said, I'm pretty eclectic, so it's not, um, I have playlists for my moods. If I'm in a certain mood, a specific thing in a certain genre, I'll pick this. So in this moment, their new Ritual album I really love, um, mainly because, you know, it is more ritualistic. Um, it talks about a lot of just finding your own faith. Hmm. and just really digging into you know just like you're stronger as you're coming out you know you you get better every day a lot of their lyrics do that so even like their song from the ashes not from this album but from a different one um it's basically like a, a phoenix rising almost um i also really love hailstorm Lizzie Hale is, is fantastic because when you asked the question immediately, the song that came in my mind was Here's to Us from their first album. Because hmm. um, she's just like, uh, here's to us, here's to love, here's to all the times that we fucked up. Hmm. <laughs> you know? it's fitting. Just, uh, yes, very fitting. And uh, just like, let's raise a, let's raise a glass because the last few nights have kicked my ass. You know, like, let, let's just do... Uh, <laughs> Let's do it. Let's give them hell. Let's try it. Hope everyone has the best of times and let's keep going um, no matter what happens. And that is very much about um, it just be authenticity is the big thing, you know, just be yourself, try and just go for it. And if that means you have to scream at the top of your lungs to an awesome guitar rift, then cool, go do it. Or maybe you need some quiet time with some sting in the police. Whatever it is, just make, <laughs> make yourself happy and just go try and you'll be okay. 
Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Uh, one of the things that came to mind is you, you dang kids in all your new music. I don't know who any of those <laughs> bands are. Well, like them, um, I'm trying to think of also some bands that I like. Lately, for some reason, I wake up in the morning and I've had Good Day by Ice Cube in my head. Okay. Um, <laughs> I recognize that one. Or um, I'm trying to see, like, I listen to some Bjork. I listen to the Cranberries. Pretty's been in my head a few times. Um, that her song Zombie that got redone by Five Finger Death Punch, I think it was, has been playing a lot in my head. So it, that's kind of funny. Zombies in your head. I see what yes, you did there. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't know which version's better, but um, it seems like a lot of the songs, no matter what genre they are, that's all from just being you. Like, be yourself, Audio Slave. Now that's in my head. So <laughs> it's a mixture. Now that you've said zombies and you've said in my head twice, I keep hearing in my head. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to the song after this in order to, to clear it out. Yeah. What's horrible <laughs> is anybody else that's ever heard that song that listens to this is going to be like, no, <laughs> you're going to have to do the same thing. Or if you've heard both versions of the song, then it's going to be like a battle in your head. It's like, who is going to be the... Who's gonna oh, it's be like a mashup. Yeah. Well, they were supposed to actually do a duet together, but the lead singer of the Cranberries died before that could happen. Oh, wow. So they still continued it as a tribute to her, you know? Mm. But it's... Both songs are very good. Now it's just like, now I have a guy in my voice. In, playing in one side and then I have her singing on the other side so it's like <laughs> that's kind of confusing it's, that's life though confusing in general exactly <laughs> um, this this question I need to reword it eventually because everybody nobody ever really answers it um, beyond saying they take a little bit of everything I'm still going to ask it but what yeah. philosophy spirituality or religion religions uh, most align with your understanding and explain it as it comes to you. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, um, I really like this question because when I first started blogging, I had someone ask like, hey, can you talk about different interests and pantheons and paths and stuff? Because I need to know the difference. So I've done some research into this to figure out what I am. <laughs> and um, I'm really attracted to the Eastern ones little bit of Buddhist because I love the idea that you can take your practice and make it your own. You're not really worshiping a set deity. It's more like you're worshiping the God within yourself. Um, I like a little bit of Hinduism because I love the intricacy and the how visual they are um, and how everything is very ritualistic, like down to how they do their daily practice. It's very set. Um, and then I love Taoism because I just really like the balance of it all. Um, so specifically aligning with one, not so much. It's more like a combination of a few, but I love the idea of everything being energy and all we have to do is work with the energy within ourselves, treat our creative self as an energy that we need to nurture. Um, treat the chakras in our bodies as their own energy centers and how can we balance them out. Um, 
I'm a big fan of like, even, you know, I, I work a lot with um, psychic and intuitive businesses. So I'm very big on that. Is your, are you sending the right cell phone signal to the right place? And are you draining your battery? I'm, I'm very much talking in that kind of sense. Cause it's, it's the same. It's all energy. Um, you put in the energy and you get out the result. The more you put in, the better result you get. Hmm. Um, so it, that's really more of what I do. If you figure out what feels good and you either get to a neutral spot or a happy spot and, you know, get really high vibe about it because naturally your body's going to be vibrating at a higher rate, you know, that kind of thing, then you should be fine. Then you're going to be living a really great life and you're going to be feeling good. And it seems more to me like the Eastern religions and philosophies follow that more than the Western does. Because, you know, and it's not out of prejudice, because again, you know, I grew up a witness, so it can be seen that way, like anti-Christianity. If some people have that, cool. Um, but I've done my research, doesn't really call to me. Scientology did the research, doesn't really call to me. Um, if, if you want to go get audited by someone in a chair with a box, go for it. Um, but personally, uh, it's I'm more on the feminine side of the world than the than the more hard-hitting side. Does that make sense? Does that really answer, or do you need me to reword? No, I get it. Um, I personally identify with a lot of Eastern stuff more so, and I have like sprinkles of some other things. Like I find that there's truths in everything, um, in some capacity. But it's also like one of the things that I like to do because I really like Taoism a lot too. In my mind, I'm like. Taoism kind of supersedes everything because it pretty much says like everything's part of the Tao. So mm -hmm. like Taoism wins like game, set, match <laughs> because <laughs> it doesn't exclude any of the other stuff. It's all paths to the Tao really. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Taoism is probably one of my favorites. I also like the idea because all of it bases in energy. Um, I like the idea of, you know, people like to talk about gods and goddesses and pantheons and stuff. I like the idea of how, um, of how Taoism and Confucianism sets it up that these were just regular people that accomplished something. And then their energy was so strong that they just ascended hmm. and that they're on tears. Or I like the idea of that so many people got behind one person that after their physical body was gone, they, uh, they just ascended. So Thor was just a really good blacksmith and he was great at swinging that hammer. But then when he passed, out of thunder and he has Mjolnir. Um, things like that. And all these stories, they have so many people behind them and so much history behind them, that energy just keeps contributing. Hmm. You know, and it just helps them stay there instead of just forgetting about them. You know what I mean? So, that's kind of why I like it because I really enjoy learning about all the different gods and goddesses and hearing their stories and their mythos. And especially uh, Chang'e, the Chinese goddess of the moon. Um, I really enjoyed her and I love the idea that she was a regular person. She just became a goddess even though she didn't want to. She accidentally became immortal mm. or... Um, the Japanese Shinto goddess uh, Izanami, goddess of death and creation. You know, she didn't want to be goddess of death, but you made her mad. And now she's ruler of the underworld, that kind of thing. So that's, that's kind of why I like it a little bit more. Their stories, they're more human than, oh, he's angry and he's loving. You know, like, 
no, Zeus is just angry. He's not going to be both sides of the coin. He's more human, it seems, than what we have now. Does that make sense? Yeah, I never, I never heard um, some of some of the uh, some of the stuff that you said, but I mean, the concept makes sense overall. There's definitely a lot more humanity to it. I mean, Zeus really is like the the horny, um, <laughs> the horny manho of a god. Like he's banging everything. Yeah, and you can understand why Hera is so mad at him and why she's constantly cursing his children because her husband's out cheating with everybody and a bull. So, <laughs> right. right. I was just thinking, can you picture if they made like a cartoon based upon Zeus's life? Uh, <laughs> like Seth MacFarlane draws it or like oh. is behind it. Oh man, that'd be amazing. I would love it so much. And it, it, I always thought because so many of the different pantheons have gods for the same things and Supernatural kind of did this with one episode where they had all the different gods and goddesses of different pantheons sitting there. Um, if they all got in a room and they were just arguing or if what would happen what kind of soap opera would happen if you put all these gods and goddesses in one room um but even that would like, be interesting yeah <laughs> even like to give an example to kind of explain like one of these and like how i feel like it's human like um chunga her and her husband ho yi were just chilling it they Ho Yi was like the royal archer. He was a hunter. He's god of the sun, pretty much. Um, and he was given this bottle of immortality um, that he was supposed to watch. And there's a few versions of it, but the goal was for both of them to drink it so then they could be together and just live forever together. But a thief broke into their house trying to steal it in order to keep him from getting it. She drank it all. Oh and, man. And she ascended up to the moon. And that's where she is. That's how come on the um the broadcast, uh one of the Apollo missions where they first landed on the moon, there's a broadcast that comes in and says, uh, you have a few people from China call and say they want you to look for the goddess Chang'a. She lives up on the moon with the Jade Rabbit. And they're like, Hey, we're we're gonna look for the little girl with the rabbit. Um because her and this jade rabbit are supposed to live up on the moon underneath this uh, underneath this tree. So she was a normal person, and in order to keep it safe and to still be there, she had to drink it, and it was like she was forced into it, and she didn't want to become what she is now, and now she's chilling up there by herself with a rabbit. Mm. So <laughs> that kind of thing. Shows you how historical the so what had happened was excuse really is. Exactly. <laughs> so what had happened was. Um, <laughs> so you had talked a little bit about uh, your business. Explain more of what you do and um, also like throw out some links about how people can get in contact with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I specifically love to work with online coaches and readers that use divination you got to use some kind of uh divination in your practice whether it's taro or palmistry or whatever um that struggle with making consistent money as professional intuitives and they just want to fill their schedule with clients that are the vibration that they're at and actually want to pay for their healing gifts that's pretty much who i work with and what i like to do is help you learn how to create a 90-day plan minimum that helps you identify your offers, get organized about what the 
content that you'd want to deliver and satisfy your income goals consistently. So every month, at least for 90 days, you're meeting your goals or beyond. That way you can make a living off your practice. It's fun and easy. Um, it's relaxed and you can be financially secure while staying soul-centered and authentic. So um, I do this specifically through my online school, Crone Academy. I'm head, headmistress of that. You can go to croneacademy.com. You can also find me on Facebook with my group, Crone's Magic Corner, and on Etsy. It's the same name, Crone's Magic Corner. That's my online uh, bookstore for my school. So you can find me in both places. And we actually just wrapped up a series for how to kick the stage fright so that you can actually be confident in not just your offers, but also in even starting a business at all. Because that's mm. really rough. <laughs> so yeah, that's a little bit about what I do. And I try to make it as fun and easy. And of course, there's some sprinklings of theater in there because we got to make it fun. So <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, if you're not having fun, what the hell are we doing here? Exactly. Why are we doing it in the first place? <laughs> yeah, just go back and work a nine to five job that you hate if, if you're going to be miserable. Yeah. Have some security if you're going to be miserable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, what do you perceive as your life's purpose? Yeah, I, pretty much it stems from that vision of myself being the friendly neighborhood apothecary witch. Um, come into my home, let me make you some warm bread and some tea, and we will heal what whatever is bothering you. Hmm. Um because I'm very much a mama bear in a lot of different ways. And I have a, I, I really want to make sure everyone in the world feels nurtured because you could have your roots satisfied. You could be financially stable. You could have your home that you want, the cars you want and the income you want. But if you don't feel nurtured in some kind of ways and do something that makes your heart sing, then that there's a problem there and at first I found that through doing theater and being on that stage because I could create a connection with somebody I could have a group of people in the audience and I could be feeling a moment and be crying or I could be angry and the energy is palpable in the room and everyone is feeling what I'm feeling but if you can figure out how to if I can teach you how to do that for your business or I can because I love characterization. I love teaching other people how to do that um, and how to just find that thing that makes them vibrate like that and it just ripples out and you bring closer people that needed to have that kind of message. I would love to do that. So that that's really my purpose, I feel. At first, I was... At first, I felt like the tuning fork that put out a specific pitch because um, I was in the zone and did what I loved, but it, now I feel like I'm more of helping people become the tuning forks, if mm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Find the thing that makes your, um, that has you be up in the middle of the night and you're just so excited and you can't sleep or sends the energy ripples across your skin and feels like it's falling asleep, but not quite falling asleep or uh, the chocolate cake that you have a bite of and it just you melt because you're like this thing is making love to my tongue and I can't help it just <laughs> happy, you know mm -hmm. um, something like that um I want to help people find something that makes them feel like that and feel nurtured and warm from the inside out 
And a lot of the times it's something that they could do through equal energy exchange in a business. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that definitely sounds like the world needs more of that. So um, hats off to you for doing that. What do you need to do to feel that you're working towards that goal? Like what steps do you take? Well, personally, um, making sure I feel that way anyway. Mm, There you go. No matter what I do, um, paying attention to how I feel, do and, and just making sure that I am nurturing myself. A big lesson I've learned, especially after having kids, um, a mama can't literally produce food for their child unless they have slept, eaten, and rested. Uh, that's what I've learned. If I nurture me, if I nurture my spiritual self, if I nurture my emotional and psychological self and physical body, then everything else ripples out and is good, you know? Yeah, you can't pour from an empty cup. Exactly. So if that requires me to go once a week to Starbucks and have my caramel apple spice cider, that's what I got to do. Or if that requires me to sit in silence for 10 minutes, just please some silence, then fine. Um, But a lot of it, I could give all the systems, like I could give the whole thing of setting up a schedule that vibes with my energy or making sure that I'm on, I know each week what I'm giving out and that kind of thing. But if I don't feel good, I'm not going to be in it. Mm. You know, it's the day before a big show. I need to chug a gallon of orange juice to make sure I'm on point. I need to do my warm ups. I need to do the ritual of putting my makeup on that kind of thing. Make sure you feel good and ready and it will be fantastic whether you flub a line you drop a prop whatever you do it'll be wonderful yeah it makes total sense i definitely get it yeah um if you had to describe your personal philosophy or condense your life experience into a few words like two or three words what would it be this is like the hardest question i ask people i feel like i love it it's a challenge i adore it um Comfort, authenticity, and expression. I was going to say in bread. No. <laughs> well, that goes under comfort. That we can we can be comfortable with the smells and the sounds and the. Bread. <laughs> okay. okay, it's like the subheading of comfort is bread in parentheses underneath. <laughs> I love it. Um, who inspires you? Oh, so many people. Um, Elizabeth Taylor. I love her. Mainly because uh, she has fire in her eyes every time you see her. Um, and she's sadly gone now. She's passed. She's in the ether. But um, I have fond memories of her growing of her growing up and watching Taming of the Shrew with her over and over again, and she just has this fire in her eyes. Mm. Um, my husband, it sounds corny as I don't know what, but um, he is the big burly Viking that is a stay-at-home dad and deals with a toddler all day. <laughs> and, if, <laughs> and if you can deal with something completely opposite of your personality because you love it, and it makes you happy, 
then I find that absolutely inspiring. It shows that no matter who you are, um, if you love it, you'll, you'll be able to do it. Hmm. Those are both good sources of inspiration. I always like when people pick inspiration that's close to them. And I guess it's also good to have inspiration where you aspire to be or just people who really have traits that you would like to emulate. Absolutely. And it's, I'm a big thing. I was just talking about this uh, where I, I find it so important to think back to your past and where you came from and how, what inspired you then and what you have of it now, because if there's nothing now that you have from back then, then we need to fix that because that'll make you feel like a little kid again and it'll make you happy. Mm. And then if you find something you love now, just as much, then that helps you be happy all throughout the timeline. So like, for example, uh, any of the dresses that Elizabeth Taylor wears in Taming of the Shrew, I want them, I adore them. So what do I need to do? I need to go get them. Or uh, that architecture with the big sweeping arches in the house. I need to get a home that's like that because then that'll make me feel like I'm in a castle all the time. Things like that. Um, and if I love and I'm inspired by my husband, then it's like, well, obviously I need to be around the guy. Maybe that would help, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it it, it can be in the tiniest things or even in the biggest thing is if as long as you can figure out where the source is and incorporate it into what you want to do, hmm. you'll be good. That's a good, that's a good point. Um, make it tangible and applicable to your life. Don't keep it distant. Yeah. Cause then you realize you get those aha moments again. Right. So like another example, um, I love my musicals. I adore my musicals. I'm in theater. Of course I like musicals. Um, and I didn't realize until a couple of weeks ago, watching Annie again for the first time, how much I love the character Grace. And I'm like, her yellow dress is the same color as I had for prom. Oh my God, I like scarves like that too. I want that chaise lounge so I can eat grapes and brush my hair with a soft brush. Stuff like that, <laughs> you know? Um, I think back to my childhood and I'm like, now I can get those things and I can feel like her and I can, feel like a little four-year-old again be like oh, Annie I want to be Annie <laughs> you know mm -hmm. so ways to be fun very very cool um this is the last question that we have what yep. books would you suggest to others absolutely I love Eastern Body Western Mind by Anodia Judith um it puts the chakras into a psychological development kind of sense. Um, it really helped me understand, oh, that's why this trauma messed with me here. How can I go ahead and do this? And out of any of the books that I have, doing one of those exercises, because she's a psychologist, she actually used these with actual clients, um, doing her exercise for loosening attachments for my crown chakra, immediately I felt so much better and things started flowing a lot more um, and then the last one it, it would be a series of books I recommend the entire Artist's Way series by Julia Cameron hmm. um, down to her business version like for people in businesses or um, her oracle cards that I have on the table coincidentally right here <laughs> um, and even to her Artist's Way with children that she has for parents. Um, 
all of it because it's treating your creative self like an actual person. Take yourself on a date once a week. Um, force yourself to write three pages a day, even if you're not a writer, and see what flows out. It's like meditation. And for some reason, meditating doesn't help me as much as writing it out because then I feel like I'm actually purging all the thoughts that are taking up my mind while I'm trying to meditate. Mm. You know? mm-hmm. So I really recommend both because it helps you get to know the energy in your body better and it helps you get that whole bettering myself so it ripples out and creates this effect of everything getting better. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, as somebody who writes a lot um, and who also kind of tries to blend philosophies and stuff like that it, it all makes sense and i'm sure having more direction um with some of those things would be incredibly beneficial to my own practice and my my life in general oh yeah and, and even right now i'm doing national novel writing month and i find that because for the past like six months i've been doing the artist way stuff and doing the daily pages and taking myself out for an artist date and stuff like that it's helped so much. <laughs> I would, I've been working on this book since 2008 and it's finally flowing now that I've actually nurtured my creative self and given it a safe space to play. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely think that that's one of the important things about writing is being in a good place and then not forcing it and letting it come out naturally. Um, because I've definitely tried to write several different stories and I always get stymied because I try to force it too much. There was a writing exercise in a Stephen King's book on writing Mm -hmm. and he gives you like the basic premise for stuff. Then he flips it and he tells you just to write from like stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. I was surprised at how easy it actually flowed. Like when I didn't try to control it or have any preconceived notions of what it should have been like just letting your mind kind of tell the story. Exactly. And then it's funny, that's really what she wants you to do is stream of consciousness writing. And even the cards that she give that you're able to get, I got them for like $5 on thrift books. They're really easy to get. Um, that's all it is, is stream of consciousness. And she's like, if you don't know what to write, put, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write today. I have no clue what in the world to write. Or if it's a to-do list, that's okay. Um, as long as you get it out, because after a while, when you purge all the stuff, that's when you start listening to your intuition more and you get the aha moments and things start flowing a lot more because you're listening to yourself. And again, the fact that she treats it like um, both of the books together, if you know why, because this is like a sacral chakra book, I love it so much. Um, if you know why your chakras psychologically are one way for yourself, then you know how to communicate more when you're doing the stream of consciousness writing and it helps it flow so much more because if you think of a little kid, if they don't have a safe space to express themselves, they're going to shut down and they're not going to do anything. And it's the same thing with the little kid and everybody like inside of all of us. If we give it a safe space to go play, here's $5, go to Michael's, go get some pretty stickers or, um, it's okay. I understand work is tough, but after this, we'll get ice cream. Tell yourself that and then follow through and everything just starts flowing so much more. Mm. That makes sense. That's actually where I'm at in life right now is learning to actually apply self-care and not getting to the point where I'm burnt out, but like treating myself like I would want to treat somebody else because sometimes I can be way kinder to other people. Um, 
which is kind of fucked up. And then like being somebody who's single and looking to date, recognizing that if I don't take care of myself, it goes back to the whole, um, what you said about like a mother needing to eat and the rest and all that to produce food, like in order to be present in a relationship, I obviously have to have a better relationship with myself and how I treat myself. So all of that stuff is relative to the um, health of the whole individual. And as like a creative person involved in the spirituality and all of this stuff, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting, but I guess it shouldn't be so surprising to see how every element of your life impacts every other element of your life. Like there is no separation um, of anything really. Exactly. And in, I like to think of it like this too. Um, I'm a big believer and even in relationships, both people need their own space. Mm -hmm. I love you, but you drive me up the wall. I need my own spot. So if we dedicate two different places in the house where each person's inner child can run free, I can have my dressing room with my giant cauldron in the corner and I can, you know, cook up concoctions in there while you can go have your wrestling memorabilia and your giant TV and your bar with nothing but vodka, then fine. We both have our areas and we can, then when we come together for the night or come together for dinner, it's so much better because you've got to spend some time alone mm -hmm. um, and you get to be yourself and you get to nurture yourself. So even if you can do that in tiny ways every day and figure yourself out, what would make my day easier today? Do it, mm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Space is one of the things I think most people miss out on, especially in our culture. And it's like, there's always these analogies of fire in regards to relationship. But if you don't have space for oxygen to flow through, it smothers. And that's literally where the term smothering comes from, I feel like. Yeah. And, and, and if you think about it too, um, if you give that space for somebody else and let them be themselves, then it's equal energy exchange. Then they're able to give you that space as well. You know, we spend too much time going for, oh, I'm not allowed to eat that because I'm on a diet. Oh, I'm not allowed to go over there because I don't have any money. Oh, I'm not allowed to do this because I don't have the time to dedicate to it. But if you stop telling yourself what you can't do and focus on what you can, you say, like, well, it's $5. I can make $5 in five minutes, whatever. Or think of, uh, man, I really want this. It's the equivalent of me getting all my Starbucks this month. I just won't have Starbucks this month because I really want this and I know it'll be good for me. Boom, then, then you're good. But uh, no matter what it is, if you make that space for yourself and talk to yourself about, hmm, maybe I want to be a drummer or maybe I want to uh, be a fashion designer or whatever it is and just think about it, then you're giving yourself permission. And then in turn, you start giving other people permission in your life. And it just, that equal energy exchange is so much better. That balance is so much better. Mm. Yeah, very well said. Um, I like to ask people to close this show in their own words. Do you have any words that you want to send us off with? Yeah, sure. Basically, if you if you haven't been making yourself happy lately, or if you haven't been happy lately, I encourage you to go find something little today to go do that. Whether that's some cinnamon toast or a cup of tea, or maybe just 
sitting outside barefoot for five seconds, you know? Whatever it is, just go make yourself happy for a few seconds and see how that impacts the rest of your day. Hmm. And if you do it every day, then see what happens. Because I guarantee your life's going to get a lot better, your business is going to get better, and you're going to feel more spiritually aligned. Just take care of you and nurture you. Hmm. Yeah, very well said. Um, Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Have a blessed day. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.